Viral Media Network presents the third season of the Sam Jack Podcast. I'm not a professional, but wait, I am. Today's guest, Jeremy Wessler, broadcast technician, freelancer, and producer of Filmsprint.com. Welcome to the Sam Jack Podcast. All right, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages, it is I, Sam Jack, and you are watching the Sam Jack Podcast. I'm not a professional, but wait, I am. And with me today is the one and the only Jeremy Wessler. Thank you so much for joining us of Film Sprint fame. Thank you. Uh, and Frantically, I'm hiding all my self views on this on these cameras so I don't get obsessed with my own image. He's also a fellow freelancer in the uh, sports broadcasting and other production at AV Corporate World. Jeremy, welcome to the show. How are you doing tonight? I'm good. Uh, this is our our second time. I'll go a little behind the scenes. This is our second time attempting this interview. Um, so I'm excited to talk to you about all this stuff again, but in different ways. Yeah, basically, I, I finally got my studio dialed in to do podcasting and have it look nice so I could be on camera and have a nice... But of course, the internet is mm-hmm. shit there because it's not just our own space. It's a it's a studio in a shared... In the secret studios in San Francisco, if anyone knows the secret studios. And anyways, it's just shared Wi-Fi. I haven't set up the hard line. And, um, you know, for most Zoom calls when everyone's doing it, like, you know, just on a business casual meeting, they just do a Wi-Fi. It's not that big of a deal. But, you know, as we're doing interviews um, and it was very apparent as we were doing it, you were finishing up what you were saying. And I was asking the question and it interrupted and it was just totally we're talking about good stuff, but it it didn't get in the can as they used to say got latency issues yeah exactly so we're just <laughs> like you know what we got enough talking us we're going to do it again um and so here i am in my humble abode upstairs uh away from the uh quiet sleeping family <laughs> but uh uh we will we will be back in the studio soon enough but you know what we still got professional hey, mike i i I'd grab my hair but the base is like in a specific a spot on my desk yeah got so, a little late here know, too a little led Exactly. Yeah. So um, anyways, um, Jeremy, we know each other not only because we first met when we interned at the Giants. That's uh, right. Oh, nine. The Jumbotron uh, board show about 11, 12 years ago. That's right. 2009. Um, so we've worked a lot in the sports broadcasting world and other freelancing aspects. But you've since uh, started, I believe it was 2018, uh, the right. film sprint, as as we can see. Uh, um yeah. which is a film competition. Um, <laughs> That's right. So why don't you talk a little bit about how that started and, and how did sure. you shift? Uh, well, well, we'll follow up from it. Just talk yeah. about I mean, I'm now. still an active freelancer, as I'm sure we'll talk about. But um, there was, you know, there's that lull after baseball's over when uh, there's a certain tier of freelancer that just doesn't have quite as much to do. And it was uh, it was coming up on, it was the year 2018, I had done a lot of work with a local performing arts space uh, called the Arlene Francis Center in Santa Rosa. They're a great space. Um, they're kind of struggling with the pandemic, as are so many, you know, stages and spaces uh, for music and art and live events. Um, but at the time, I was uh, a member of kind of their film board, 
which is to say that I and one other person volunteered to run movies and in the theater from time to time. It sounds like a great title, but really I was just around a lot. And uh, the first thing I did was I set up some screenings of films I thought were interesting. Uh, a friend of mine did a cool documentary about uh, water and I had her come and screen the film and we did a panel discussion. It was that kind of stuff. Um, just local community events. Um, and they asked me if there's anything else that I wanted to do. And the first thing that came to mind was to do a 48 hour filmmaking contest. I thought it'd be a great way to build a local scene. Um, you know, we have a few small colleges here in Sonoma County that um, have, you know, a lot of interest in those sorts of performing arts and, and you know, film and that kind of stuff. Um, and it just seemed like something worth taking a swing at. Um, and I just, it was a lot of like first attempts for me at a lot of things like uh, booking a venue. Like I booked a real movie theater. The whole idea for me was to like take people's sort of amateurish uh, attempts at, at filmmaking and elevate them to a higher platform, uh, which I wanted to do by renting a theater. And I figured if I sold tickets, it would make back the cost of running a theater because I got a pretty good deal on the theater screen, which was, I think it was something like 500 bucks for four hours for everything, for the projectionist, for the space. And then, so all I had to do was sell that much worth in tickets to at least break even, which was the idea. It was just a local community thing. And yeah, so I, I did that and it, we ended up getting like five or six teams just from word of mouth and making Facebook posts.
you know, say, in a way, it was easier just in the sense of overhead, like you said, as as, right. as it grew from eighteen to nineteen, mm-hmm. you you broke even, but there was more, more overhead in. because it grew. Yeah, right? Which yeah, exactly. Like it, it brought in, it definitely it generated more in in revenue, right. but it so just the profit wasn't there because the longer, cost. Yeah, you had to, you had yeah. to pay for more, but but, but in in yeah. COVID times. You didn't have to pay for a venue. You didn't have right. to rent space. You didn't have to do a lot of stuff. So that all that, mm-hmm. so that would probably allowed you some leeway to do oh, those events, right? The other and thing that helped, say... quite frankly, was the early that first thirteen weeks of like an extra six hundred bucks a week for folks who are unemployed. Yeah. Like Sam, like you and I, we were just totally SOL at the start of the pandemic. Yeah, there was no like, oh, I'll go do this. It was like sit at home and be broke. Yeah, and so like. Yeah. Thankfully, we got it was that it was honestly it was that extra like 600 a week in the first few months, where I was able to make a few small investments, like $100 at a time in a few things that I needed, I needed a website that could do payment processing, I wanted forms. Um, and then there was a few like software solutions that I that I got to aid in broadcasting. So I got, um, I got this app called I think it's called, what's it called? Uh, loopback which is for Mac and it does like audio routing. You can set up different sort of virtual audio devices that have the taken different, taken or mix different sources and then output them as selectable audio sources at like a microphone that you can use to mix for broadcasting. So that was really helpful. Um, But once I had all that streaming stuff set up and everything, it was just, you know, it was me and my, in my, here in my studio apartment from, (laughs) for the you know almost all of them um with the exception the first one that wasn't from here really was um la- the fright sprint of this last year and in, in which was from atlanta i went and visited my partner in the project deming who came in in about may as like a full-fledged like collaborator and sort of co-runner um in a lot of ways and not so secret like um benefactor and she'll sometimes just shower extra prize money on rounds just because she's a she just loves it she's like um, a little uh you know sage and fairy like that right she's like a she's like a sort of uber patron she's a who just really loves supporting like she's been known to just tip teams directly during the stream just because she appreciates their performance um and we like to go out of our way to you know try to, to make that That's something that we've learned as we've gone she's um, quite prolific but yet random with her with her that's, that's right it's it is a it is a real helicopter drop of, of of you know whatever where it's just some of it might just fly down on your house and some of it might not so, um but we so- yeah it's been really rewarding so we got to you know i got to build this out and then the coolest thing that we've done since going online is kind of getting to play with the rules when you do it in person at least the way that i had done it i I felt like i really needed to stay true to this sort of classic version of this format but by (laughs) like just seeing what happens with the organic growth of our community different from other more like professionally centered you know production quality first sort of competitions ours was ours is very much like story focused in a lot of ways narrative focused and like there's a lot of ways that we can find something impressive so we're into like the punk rock sort of grungy movies too um and by pers- by following that and pursuing it we got to find different experimental styles that you know let us just come at the problem of 
giving people a space to be creative in different ways. This is a long-winded answer. I'm yeah, realizing well, now well, here at the end of it. Well, yeah, let's back up for a second. Let me I, grab I, some I, water. Yeah, yeah, please do. <laughs> so, is it clear I haven't talked to too many people in person today? Yeah. Um, it's okay. Neither have I. Uh, I've been at home with a sick kid. Classic so. pandemic. Yeah. Socializing right yeah. there. But now we're getting out. Now this is here us we are. socializing here. Um, and we're just sharing it with the rest of the world. But um, <laughs> so because you were planning a competition right when the pandemic hit and so you went right into homebound mm-hmm. and then i think i picked up on the one right after that the mockumentary one yes yeah that was our our first like special style one so you were kind of as as the you know the buzzword and the the, the catchphrase of 2019 was pivot right yeah i learned how to pivot yeah you were kind of on the cutting edge of that where you were already you. in a situation where you were kind of forced to if you wanted to go on right yeah i mean I, I was fortunate because i had done that that background stuff i had done this sort of a version of it well enough to know how to execute that vision of it right and then I, all i had to do was learn how to do it online rather than having to learn how to do it and how to do it online <laughs> yeah and you were already doing live stream obs kind of stuff before this i mean a lot of people during 2009 mm-hmm. sorry 2019 i don't know why i'm going back yeah. 10 years because my brain's scrambled but um you know all of a sudden everyone learned zoom everyone discovered obs and all that stuff where it's like obs is Well, no, I mean, honestly, I actually did not have a background in it. My first use of OBS was screening the first homebound round. I don't even think I tested it. Fair enough. Yeah. I don't think I, I don't think I, I mean, but I, but if you go back and watch it, it's real clear that I don't know what I'm doing. Like almost like I didn't know how to set the mic to just be on a scene. So I kept muting it. So people wouldn't hear me during the films, but then I would forget to unmute it when I would come back to host. And I'm like talking for like two minutes and there's no sound on the stream and everybody in the chat is just going no sound no sound no sound and i'm like but not looking at it because i'm like hosting and i'm panicking and there's three things going on yeah. oh yeah the first the first couple of of like live ones are brutal uh they're they're lo- i think lost to the sands of time i'm sure i have a backup recording somewhere but they're not posted anywhere you know some of the more recent ones where we actually sort of accomplish some things even if they're a little rough we'll post the full stream because it's fun to watch along but those early ones it's like oh guess they're gone forever sorry um but you didn't give up and you kept going and you got better at it right well yeah i mean it was really rewarding i was fortunate enough to be in a place where i mean quite frankly there was this was the thing for me like this was the thing i wanted to do it was the thing i could i could sit and work on it for eight straight hours and look up and be like, Oh man, I literally haven't gotten out of this chair in hours and hours. Um, for me, that's always a sign that I'm on the right track. Um, you know, I don't know. And I still don't know if this is like the thing for me or if it's the thing to get to the thing or what, but it does feel like it's the thing that's been most rewarding when I put effort into it, you know, and that for a long time, that was, that was freelancing for me, but that's also how it has to be when you're trying to build up that portfolio to the point of comfortable flexibility. Yeah. Like I, I, I had gotten to that point for the most part. I mean, I, I, now that sports are starting to come back, I'm seeing 
not i mean it, is, it still isn't like what it was but it's not it's not nothing either you know um i don't know it's it, but with this it, it does feel like the thing where i feel like this is the most kind of like fertile opportunity to move forward so yeah sometimes as a freelancer you just gotta go with that thank you so much for listening this is sam jack your host Make sure to subscribe to us. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. Just search the Sam Jack Podcast. Thank you so much. You can find us on YouTube. Our channel is Viral Media Network 415. The playlist is the Sam Jack Podcast. I'm not a professional, but wait, I am. Check out all the other great playlists on our YouTube channel. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. Thank you so much. Let's get back to the interview. Yeah, I mean, I think I think I, I share that in in the respect of like I I love what I do in the sports broadcasting world. Yeah. Um, and I'm a sports fan, but I'm sure. not I'm not a super high hard. I, I I know there's there's other folks in that we work with that are super hard die horse. Oh yeah. Fan. The first person that comes to mind when you say that to me is Ron Saron. <laughs> yeah. Ron's a guy who'll work all day yeah. and then he'll go home and he'll like watch three games. I yeah. don't understand. Yeah, exactly. And, and you know, you know, more power to them. They they, they sure. live for the sport. You know, absolutely. I'm, I'm more of a spectator, but I appreciate, you know, the aspects of what I like. What we do in the sports broadcasting world is being on our feet, yep. thinking on our toes. Mm-hmm. There's a certain repetition to it, a certain formula, but there's yeah. always something new and something different. Yeah. And you know, once you know, once that clock runs. It's not like a film set where you have to be like, oh, we got to retake and yeah. a couple takes turn into a whole day of shooting or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so I like that aspect. But I did. I found, and this is what I really realized when we were sitting at home on our hands and we were forced to it, is it's not a very creative outlet, at least in, in what I do. You know, I just kind of plug in cables mm-hmm. and then if I were to mix it, yeah, I can get a little creative on the mix, but it's pretty much just like we want to hear the announcers and some effects, right? right? Like, yeah. Um, there's not too much wiggle room there. No. So yeah. So I really, I really was motivated from seeing what you were doing because you know with Viral Media Network, it's something that I've always yeah. juggled with sports freelancing, and frankly, just kept it on the back burner and didn't put enough attention to it. So sure. that having all that time, having having no more excuses to be like, oh well, I can't do this because I'm too busy working making money. It's like okay, well now it's time to put up or shut up. So. Not only did I did put our hat, my hat in the ring a couple times. Wish I did it more. Um, just You're always welcome. Started again and other commitments. Yeah. Couldn't. Commit. I feel really bad that I had to bail on the on the uh, the last films. Uh, the oh last man, it was a great run. I, I would have loved to have seen which I would have would have pulled but, off too. But how do you how do you feel like you've been able? Like I guess you you sort of alluded yeah. to it, but like you know, strike that balance of you know, like you said, like this is. The, it sounds like to me when you're talking about things like being rewarding. Yeah, I'm sure you're making you know some some money back, but you're obviously not like you know yeah. rolling in dough from the film sprint. So no, not currently. No. no. So, but but you said it really it really fulfill it really makes you happy yeah. with what you're doing. So like yeah, talk a little bit about how that's more sure. important than say any sort of like monetary return or you know. Well, you. I mean, it, it's like I, I think that what you were talking about with viral media networks a great comparison and by the way congratulations on your recent uh follower milestone yes. well done film sprint not quite there yet we will hopefully catch up in subscribers at some point youtube is like our weakest subs- i have like four times as many twitch subscribers as youtube subscribers yeah and that's, i can't that's get everybody to jump over step. i don't know 
That, yeah. But that's another thing that I just neglected, and I put out a video here and there, and it's like yeah, you know, Twitch is cool though. Is key right to anything. So yeah, and and, and, and so like all yeah. So I think there's the thing that that came up to me during the pandemic was like it didn't feel super likely that I was gonna end up, and and like it didn't seem like quite all that likely that I was gonna end up anywhere but sitting at home almost all the time. You know, uh, there was a few new jobs that came up in the world, but none of them were looking for me all that hard. <laughs> right, right. I got recruited for a job as a cable installer uh, for a local ISP. And then I asked literally like one question on the interview. And the question was, how do you handle suggestions from your employees, like as a supervisor? And it just, as soon as I asked that question, it was like the interview was over. I was like, that's not a good sign. So <laughs> it was just, but other than that, I didn't have any like new opportunities professionally. Um, so I, I, part of it was like, I was kind of like Shanghai into being an entrepreneur. It wasn't totally like my, I, you know, I didn't choose this. It kind of chose me a little bit, yeah. but the other thing is like what, what you were talking about with viral media network is that you, it was something that you had. It was like an idea that you kind of backburnered for a long time. And as it became time for you to spend more time on it, that time got spent. And like, that was also me with the film sprint because it was something that I hadn't, I kind of needed to live my life in that order to get to the point where, okay, I did one once and I, and I learned that it was okay. And then the second time I kind of tried to go to school a little bit more on the promoter side of things, like yeah. building an audience, building excitement, you know, just the, the structure of doing that. Um, in my case, since it was a local market that was like reaching out to the local publications, the papers and shit, making making ads in the event sections and stuff because it's just people who show i mean it's truly that's who's going to show up to something like this i literally was out there like the the evening of the show i was out doing handbills out in front of the theater just like because it was the and and i feel like if i got three people then that's the difference between it having broken even and not yeah you know what i mean yeah and i and it did break even like you have to when you're when it gets time to hustle it's time to fucking hustle so if you commit yourself to something like a big project, you got to like show up for it, right? But I hadn't committed myself to anything like that um, with anything else. And I didn't have any commitments. It wasn't like I was, oh man, I can't do this right now because I got to, every Friday I got to go down here and I'm traveling, I'm driving all over the Bay Area. I got to do all this. I was just sitting here. So it was really like, it was fortuitous. It worked out really well for me that I was able to put that time in. I think that, you know, the pandemic was a valuable time for a lot of people to kind of reevaluate in different ways or, you know, some, I mean, it didn't work this way for everybody. Some people, you know, I mean, everybody has their own journey, their own experience, but some people built new things. And this was kind of the thing for me was, you know, it had existed as this local thing, Santa Rosa film spread. But at the start of, of 2020, I already wanted it to be a business. I already wanted it to be something that was going to be a complement to my freelance portfolio. That was already a goal at the start of the year. Yeah. Um, so I had already filed for a fictitious business name. I had already, 
you know like i own the name films print for five plus years or something like that i'm it's like a it's like a real you know dba that i have so like i was already building towards doing this in some capacity and being able to give it that level of look and professionalism and front-facing kind of stuff like the website and things like that um so once that happened um it was just a matter of figuring out a way to continue with the momentum i already had like i was in the middle of trying to make a film sprint already happen when the pandemic started and, and so i wanted it to i just wanted the idea of it going away when the whole point of it was the whole point of it is to build community it's to put people who don't necessarily feel like they have an audience for their work in front of an audience of people who are like-minded who are open-minded who are excited to see not necessarily the highest like echelons of professionalism but really original attempts at storytelling and and kind of that sort of boldness and to reward that people there, there. I mean, like one thing that I learned, and this is a great transition into live sports for me. One thing that I learned in the beginnings of my live sports career in in stadium entertainment is that there is no substitute for live audience approval. Like the best like thing instant, about instant reaction, right? Instant reaction, and like it's something they've never seen before. Yeah, I mean, for me, I got that a lot because I would make these video packages, and then we would play them in stadium, and I would like be sitting near the open window next to the stadium and listening to their reaction as it's happening. Yeah. And it got to the point where I could kind of tell what was going to get what reaction. But because I've had that experience, I want to that's what I want to bring to other people. And that's kind of like, that's still the thing, quite frankly, that's been missing from film sprint in the last 18 months is that visceral reaction. You get to see people throwing up reactions on the chat and stuff like that. And you get to hear me and Deming gush over everybody's films. And we show the judges feedback where they're like, wow, we love this. We love this. We pick the flowers, you know, we gather them and we give them, but it's still not, it's still not as viscerally gratifying yeah. yet as yeah. as live theaters. We're going to work on getting back to that and doing live audience reactions, maybe screening things for a live audience and having it live streamed simultaneously so people can en- enter from anywhere but then be screened. That was actually the initial plan for Fright Sprint. And then a bunch of the teams that were based in the city that we were hosting it out of all dropped out at like the 11th hour and then it was like well now who's gonna come to this (laughs) Uh oh so we we moved it to a different style and it ended up being a ton of fun anyway because it was just the live energy with me and deming in the same room was a lot of fun uh after having to deal with latency issues for so long yeah Uh, yeah i mean that's the the whole the mission statement is to develop a space for people to nurture their inner artist and then to also set as a, as a complement to that, to create a space for that inner artist to to like show their work and be appreciated. You know, not everybody wins awards. Those the, that's like a structure that we build for people to follow along. But everybody can watch and see people responding positively to what they've done and, and, or just learning from the responses, learning like, Oh, this didn't land the way I thought it would. Or to me, what I'm showing here is really clear, but the audience isn't getting it. Those are the things you can't get 
and and can't use to grow until you have them as as full experiences so you know that's what we try to try to do some people don't care some people are just excited to have the opportunity to play around we love that too that's kind of me (laughs) like i sort of part of me wanted to go into film yeah me too I originally, when I was applying for college, I think I thought I was applying to film school, and then I checked a box that said I was interested in doing film and television. Yeah. And I think the college just automatically placed me in television. Radio. In television? Where'd like, you go okay. to school? I don't know that I know this. Ith- Ithaca College. Oh, right on. Yeah. I, uh, so, when I, <laughs> I applied to SUNY Purchase to do their okay. film program. Yeah. Um, I actually went out there and toured the campus and it wasn't until I got out there that they were like oh yeah the film program you also have to buy all your own film stock so being in the film conservator program here is like an extra $45,000 just in materials and then BTW if you want to switch majors you have to start from scratch none of these credits are transferable it's like a whole separate thing and so I was like that's going to be a no I ended up at SF State I was trying to study film as well and but I couldn't get into any of the classes; they were too impacted. Yeah, I switched to broadcasting, and then it was my uh, my like dorm neighbor across the hall is Amy Gill, who does uh, she's like a sideline reporter in Minnesota now. Um, but she okay. was in the Warriors internship in 2007 2008 okay. season and i was like can you get me in there and she was like well no they already hired but the a's are hiring for interns and so that's how i ended up applying for these i didn't even know they had an internship until my dorm neighbor got in at the warriors and i was like that's awesome i like the a's better anyway i don't fucking know about basketball <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean opening up the world of sports broadcasting i mean yeah. like when i was in college there there was and i and i did work on some broadcast shows and i think broadcast ultimately is better suited for me because i don't know if i have the patience for like to do it i like short films but like the way they work on feature films for months at a time and they work on one scene yeah. for a week plus or whatever in the same shot in a whole day like yeah i don't know if i don't know if i could handle that kind of i don't know if i had that kind of patience you know yeah yeah <laughs> that'd be my worry too um as a technician i think i would just lose it with that level of granular detail yeah because television is more turn and burn you know you do a lot of oh absolutely are you you kidding me yeah everybody and i feel like 90 percent of the people who work on a show have forgotten every detail of what they just did by the time they get in their car exactly by the by the time their wheels have exactly oh it's like uh fucking forgot this bye like i'm out of here jump in the fucking car don't i don't dude i don't remember i like unless something is so outstandingly good or bad like if like the other day worked a cal game cal got beat by like 40 50 something like that and i remember on the way back being like that was brutal and that was about it i like (laughs) but if it hadn't have been that far of a game i wouldn't have even remembered that i'm like oh they played a game and one of them i always think it's so messed up that like by the time the game actually starts all of us in the truck are like when is this game over (laughs) like we can't wait for it to end before it's even started that's absolutely true because that's like it's like the whole structure of it is so interesting yeah because you show up you have you work for like three hours four hours you take lunch if you're lucky you go you come back you have about two hours where it's like does everything work great let's start and then the show just starts yeah and yeah you do a little bit of pre-production maybe for about an hour 
like for like 30 to 60 minutes before the show you're making stuff you you might yeah you'll probably most shows now especially for the back 12 network pre-tape their opens um so that you just have everything in place so you could just you know you don't have to have that awkwardness of starting the show with something bad live um and then it just goes like it's it's such a and then like it's just going and nobody the worst thing that can happen for really anybody is to try to chase a mistake you know what i mean like you have to be completely in the present to be i think an effective television technician yeah the wheels keep moving yeah oh yeah that was a long that was a long hard lesson for me like my first seven years in the truck probably i was still struggling where if i had a bad moment early on or something that would cause the producer to shout or something like that i like my show would be in trouble like i would i would be trying to do too much from that point on and try to fix it like oh now i'm gonna make something that's i'm gonna do something so good that they'll like try to hit a 10 run home run and it's just not possible like you just have to get back into the middle like it's not it's almost never about like pushing too hard and true and working at a thousand percent capacity you got to be parked at about 85 and then you can spike up to it you can you know if you need to yeah. do something quick you're prepared but if you're like if you're too too low you're not you're like not gonna get you're not gonna get there and if you're yeah, too keyed up, up yeah you're you're going you're gonna botch something if you're like Burn if out. you have to be if you have to be redlining the whole show like you're fucked like you got, you got to have a moment where you can sit down in the middle and like recalibrate every two minutes of broadcast. Like if you can't take a moment to be like, we good? Okay.
Thank you so much for listening. This is Sam Jack, your host. Make sure to subscribe to us. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. Just search the Sam Jack Podcast. Thank you so much. You can find us on YouTube. Our channel is Viral Media Network 415. The playlist is the Sam Jack Podcast. I'm not a professional, but wait, I am. Check out all the other great playlists on our YouTube channel. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. Thank you so much. Let's get back to the interview. I have, I have a I have a few questions I want to backtrack to, but I'll tell you this quick story. Mm-hmm. So, and it wasn't it wasn't actual technical issues, and so this is a good story. Oh, cool to be had about it. So, um, this must have been pre pandemic. So I want to say it was the it was opening night. I want to say it was opening night of two thousand nineteen, right? The year that they lost, right? Right. It was opening night. Of that season, so all the way back in. Is this is for which team? Sorry, the Warriors. Oh sure, okay, I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. It was right after the dynasty had collapsed. Yeah, so so, Ugh. but this is this was opening day of the season. Right, they lost, they lost at the end of this season. Oh right, okay. So this was the start of the last run where right. all the wheels fell off. Right. So they were having this big yeah, opening night, and it, I had been I had worked TNT was doing this opening night thing that was not at at Chase Center, it wasn't at the arena or whatever, but it was at this sneaker store on Hate Street. And they were going to, it was like, it wasn't the main pre-show, but they were going to do like some live hits from it. Segments, yeah. Yeah, little segments and like a little show there or whatever. So we had a truck and we'd parked it on a side street um, that was adjacent because the sneaker store was, was on Hate Street. And then so we parked down the hill on the corner, right? Right. And so not only was there like, a Lamborghini, not a Lamborghini. It was like some sort of like Chevy Camaro or something like that, a Corvette that had just parked in the wrong spot. Parked in the spot where it was like, "Do not park here." And I, and I'll and I'll post pictures. I'll put pictures up on the podcast. You'll see it. But literally, they had parked like right behind the truck, and so it was stuck in there. And so that was like an issue. But um, apparently, we got there was some clerical issue where the permit that we actually got for the truck was on the other side of the side street. So on the opposite <laughs> corner of where the store was, right. which wouldn't have made any sense. Cause then we would not only have to run our cables around the corner, but like across this crosswalk as well. Yeah. That's um, hard. Cause there's no way we could have put the truck on hate street. Right. That was like, two right. So we put it on you the couldn't, side, yeah. side street around the corner, but it was on the, it was on the corner, the same corner as where this, the store was. Mm-hmm. But for some reason the the permit was for across the street on sides, the side street. So Uh like, so then like some, someone from the city came out, it's this big permit. And then like, it was this big hoodoo. And, uh, you know, we'd are, we were already like, I think we were like three hours to air. And the, um, the city council member of that district, like had come out and basically was just like, Oh, blah, blah. And TNT was like, listen, we'll, We'll pay the fine, whatever it is. We'll do, we'll pay, you know, whatever. But, like, yeah. we're about to go to air, whatever. And then, like, the city council member was like, no, you can't do this. And shut shut down. And we all went home. Yeah. That's, I've never seen that before. Yeah. So, it, that's that's a situation where sometimes it's not a technical <laughs> thing that'll shut you down. But sometimes yeah, but that's, that, see, but what I mean is I've never had a show where, because we didn't do our jobs, it didn't happen. Right. Like, like I've had shows get canceled. Someone I've had didn't shows... do their job that day. Right. I don't know. I think it was it worked a few rainouts too. 
The city oh, council member could have been a bro and just been like, okay, like I don't want to be a dick. Yeah, just like, take the money. Also, exactly. like it's y'all were gonna be y'all were gonna be done in an hour. Right. <laughs> it was like it's not like you're gonna be there all fucking day. Exactly. Ugh, yeah. Whatever. So I also, as far as like you know, words of wisdom and things to to glean from this because yeah. you know this this podcast is you know talking about you you know your history and and all this kind of stuff. But you mentioned that you were sort of. You know, I don't. I don't want to say forced into entrepreneurship, but with the well, pandemic, you were yeah, it just was what it was. It. Yeah, you said, "Oh, I only had a few hundred dollars in savings, but I was able to, you know, create just just by carefully investing in the right thing." So I just want to, I just want to recognize that for those listening to say, like, "Hey, yeah. you can you can have a little bit of seed money and have it start mm-hmm. something bigger, and then and then eventually have it grow, and then you invest more money into it." But you know, yeah. you really need. I mean, strategic moves are, are, are really key. Like when I started, you know, there wasn't, I put very little money into it. It was like the website was 20 bucks a month or something like that, but that was about it. And then it was like, as money started to come in, it, it, we would put a little into it. Once that, once that unemployment money came in, it was like, Oh, I'll spend a hundred bucks on this because I got, I, there's nothing else. Like uh, there's nothing else going on. This is what it is. And it, and there, there is a certain thing, like when you're a freelancer, you do have to take what's in front of you a lot of the time, you know, once you get to a certain point, you do get that flexibility of choosiness, but you still are choosing between the options that are in front of you. You know, you have to be realistic to me. Like this was already a plan I had and it was something that I could still do. I mean, like I couldn't, it, no, there was nothing I could do to make sports occur for me to make money at, but this was something that was already something I had wanted to do. And so when presented with an opportunity to invest in myself, invest in an idea that was mine, that I created a business that's in my name, that's not, I don't have to, I don't have to share it. I don't have to, you know, I get, I get control over who's who we work with who our sponsors are things like that so when we had topo chico as a sponsor for fright sprint the sparkling water from coca-cola yeah Yeah, it was cool and and it worked for us and we had like fun with it but you know i don't have to if i don't want to i don't have to you know take a sponsor that i wouldn't want to work with or that doesn't fit with what we do like it's tough when you're working in in tv um because sometimes you just have to make it fit the circumstances yeah like when i worked for the a's it was like okay what can chevron sponsor that we do you know and that's tough some of it just it's like whatever it just you kind of had to throw stuff on it but it was like chevron sponsoring star wars night what a natural natural fit of course just such a easy one (laughs) too but like you know it's fun like when you talk about creativity also you mentioned that earlier like in terms of the fulfillment, like I get to do, I get to explore whatever extent of my own creativity I want to with this project. So like I, um, we did our cinematic universe rounds and I spent a good 40, 60 hours maybe on this motion graphics project. That's the introduction for it, which is a Marvel studios style intro where it goes through the, I mean, like if you watch the intro to a Marvel studios film and then you watch this side by side, like they're beat for beat 
<clears throat> the same structure and it's just me by myself dicking around in after effects not like some team of 30 people compositing this like magnificently but it, it works talking about the mosaic effect that goes into the marvel logo the whole opening i can i mean i can i'll send you the the thing so you can you can see it yeah we'll overlay it here so yeah it, it's on youtube it's like yeah. I know for I've a while it was before. just like yeah, yeah. yeah it's like that it ends with that orange and it's like just supposed to be the marvel logo i mean there's there's a few things that i i sat and probably spent i mean besides the hours i spent compositing it i probably spent two or three maybe five hours just watching it over and over and making meticulous notes on what happens in that intro and in what order hmm. like at seven seconds the flipbook effect has given way to these cutouts like it starts with um i think it starts with iron man and then it's like a bunch of other the original six avengers and it ends with cap throwing that shield and then that shield at about 15 seconds transitions to the the inside you see these walls of like video that are different clips of the of the marvel universe and as it pulls back you see that you're inside the negative space of the text of the marvel logo right. and as it pulls back it's that big thing and then it just goes and it's just the marvel logo over red usually yeah. um depending on sometimes they have like variants for different movies but that's right. generally what it looks like right. and like so i just wanted to recreate that basically beat for beat shot for shot but using only material from film sprint submissions and it totally works it totally plays like your films in it uh both of your films are in it uh there's definitely a shot of um oh god what's her name the the main at nicole, nicole. Uh, as the in um, obscure vinyl box set her doing that interview is like a big shot on one of the walls because i just we, we all loved that performance so much and like there's a bunch of stuff like that so it's just a and and the idea is now that i've built it it's like evergreen i can go back i can change things up i can replace footage and add more current films or like new winners um and it could be the open to the, the this next like year of them if i want it to be so it was something that i wanted to do creatively it's now probably maybe the most impressive single piece of my reel like in terms of it, of anything I've done, it's probably among the most I've, most hours I've spent on any one project. A lot of my stuff on my like editing reel is stuff I made in a day to fulfill a quick, specific, quick turnaround kind of order. Like like say a Sam Jack reaches out to me and says, "Hey, I'd like some motion graphic logos for the Sam Jack podcast." <laughs> I can do that for you. And it's a pretty quick turnaround because I already know how to do it. I know how to make those kind of things. I have an idea in my mind of how to do it. But with that, it was like, I had to figure out whole huge pieces of it, how to make it work, how to composite it. Did I spent like 15 hours going down a, U, a total U-turn, like cul-de-sac of exploration of trying to learn Blender, which is a whole different kind of software. I was like, maybe I'll learn Blender and do this. And I was like, that's way too complicated. It's like... I, I was trying to follow along on like a, on a whole tutorial on how to do exactly what I was trying to do. And there was some step that was not translating. And I, I looked it up 15 different ways. I couldn't figure out how to do it. And I was like, wow. all right, back to the, back to something I know. And just having stepped out of it, when I came back to the other thing, I was able to like get there. The problem was getting the video on the inside walls of the film sprint logo, specifically where it curved, yeah. having it have the texture of the video but also bend because the way I was having, the way I was putting those surfaces in, it was like giving me these weird issues that had to do with 
the polygons. But once I I found this specific solution, it took like a while to figure it out. But for any, you don't yeah. you, you don't use the geography that you 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 learn in uh, middle school, right? Or exactly, exactly. It, 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 there actually was a lot of math involved. You know? Yeah, there was because you have to measure out the distances and the spaces, and oh, if I shrink this by fifty percent, that I have to adjust this number by half of its not half of the total but half of the midpoint of this minus x so it's like a whole there was a little bit of algebra involved i'm not gonna bullshit you but But, that's a fun that's a fun one to tell the kids right you know it's like yeah i mean for me that was part of the part of what was kept me in it was like i i just wanted to see if i could make something that looked like that and it and it i'm pretty happy with it i mean like if i if i had another hundred hours to spend on it i'd add more bells and whistles but like i'm i think it's pretty dope like i i stand by it um it's when i send people you know when people ask for samples i send them to my website and there's like a whole section now that's just film sprint stuff different material and and promotional stuff that i built just for film sprint purposes so it's also been helpful just to stay if you don't have work make work yeah like if you don't if you don't have anything to do make something to do like that's been the biggest takeaway for me because i didn't have you know anything assignment (laughs) no it was like i could sit here and wait for somebody to tell me what to do or i could fucking call some plays like i and that and part of that is confidence you have to learn that you have to develop that in yourself um as a freelancer some people just have effortless confidence and those people are a mystery to me but for me it was it was really like i had to you know i hadn't really used a lot of the skills involved in say making that since i worked at the a's i mean they were i I didn't have as much call to do it regularly i would do it little here and there but it was all stuff that was simple stuff that was within my wheelhouse i wasn't trying to do anything i hadn't already done and with the film sprint, I've had to learn how to do a ton of things that I haven't already done. I had to learn how to do live streaming. I had to learn how to host. Um, I had to learn how to host while live streaming, which is its own separate skill set, as you know. Yeah. Like I had to do, I had to learn a lot of promotion things. I had to learn a bunch of different web platforms, um, and all of it is still pro- in in service of just like developing me as a better servant to the film sprint that might also turn out that those skills become cross trainable and i might find other freelance or gig style work to do stuff like this i might end up because of this now i might have a resume to go get gigs as a producer or promoter for other events if somebody's looking for hey we want to hire somebody to come in as a freelancer and we have an event that we do regionally, but we want somebody to run it. I can now claim more experience and background and things like that than I had before. Um, you know, and if I want to pivot more out of sports, which might be inevitable for a lot of us in this middle tier of limbo, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. like it, it when it looks like that, it's kind of the sense is like there's no reason not to get good at more than one thing i mean like a freelancer that you know if you have just one exactly one skill that's a tough one because you're not just a freelancer you're a tradesperson. you only have the one like deep skill 
pigeonhole yourself in it. Yeah, I mean, you could that you're only able to work that one thing. Like I, if people ask me what I can do, I'll tell them everything I've ever done. Like when when I if I'm looking to move to a new area, I research what's going on in the market, and I ask somebody what are the opportunities, and they say, "What can you do?" I'll I mean, I'll say the things I do all the time. I do graphics. I do bug box. I do you know that kind of stuff but I'll also say stuff that i you know that i do sometimes like i'm a utility and i'll say stuff that i almost never do i'm a camera operator i'm a replay operator those are things that i've done that i know the theory and i understand some of the practice and if i sat down in a position i'd probably do as well or better than that guy who got yelled at yeah. and i'm okay with that <laughs> Like if somebody wants to pay me to do it, I'll show up and I'll, I'll take my licks. I learned that early on in my career. Sometimes you got to get yelled at to get better. Um, you know, it's and I'm at a point sometimes. Right. But I'm at a point where I wouldn't feel like I had to grip. Somebody yelling at me wouldn't make me worse. If I was bad at something, it'd be because I'm genuinely bad and I can get better. Um, but like, you know, I <laughs> like, yeah, if there's nothing else I learned from film sprint, it's to embrace being bad at stuff, being in the middle at stuff. Like, I think, I think it was, I never even watched the show, but I saw a clip from like adventure time that said sucking at something is the first step to being kind of good at something. Thank you so much for listening. This is Sam Jack, your host. Make sure to subscribe to us. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. Just search the Sam Jack Podcast. Thank you so much. You can find us on YouTube. Our channel is Viral Media Network 415. The playlist is the Sam Jack Podcast. I'm not a professional, but wait, I am. Check out all the other great playlists on our YouTube channel. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. Thank you so much. Let's get back to the interview. <laughs> we have to start somewhere, you know. Absolutely. Everybody um, starts somewhere. And so speaking of starting somewhere, we we interned together uh, as yes. you as you mentioned at the at the Giants and Los Gigantes. But but first you interned with the A's at 07 and then Oh wait, yeah. You know, sorry, 08 and then you, you know, doesn't matter. Started your uh freelance career and started slowly working the freelance. Yeah. But then I want to talk what's more important, uh, well, what's more interesting story, I should say, is that you got a full-time job from working freelance with yes. A's. As a full-time in some senses, yes. It was full-time in terms of the amount of hours, but I was never like a salaried employee. Oh, gotcha. <laughs> for the, as the associate producer? Yeah, I was, I was, my, I think my official title was assistant producer. I worked anywhere between... 45 and 70 80 hours a week at that job but uh for two years you were on an hourly schedule hourly yes so i, I was making a lot of i was making a lot of overtime but i was not making a lot of health insurance right so that was kind of the trend I, I i was at the point where i felt like if this is what it costs to bring me on just bring me on full time like i'll i'll still be here the same amount of time or more and I'll get what I want out of this, which is like right. benefits and stability. I was fully on board for that. I would have been, dude, if they, like, I definitely, if if we could have come to like an understanding being the A's, yeah. I, I would still be working there if they'd let me. Right. Because I loved, I love the team. I like that. I like those challenges. I like that production load and that work style. Like it all works for me. But the thing that I, that it ultimately kind of broke us apart was two things, which was, the first thing was they just are they're just cheap yeah 
they're dirt cheap. Like the the when I was there, the vice president of broadcasting used to brag that he hadn't given anybody a raise in five years. It's like, what, dude, you're bra- This is he would brag about that to his employees, and it's like, what? Like you're just openly telling everybody that you don't want them to stay. <laughs> yeah. And in fact, after my second season, when I had done a bunch of great work for them, they told me that the only way that they would bring me back was if I took a 25% pay cut. And it was just like a pay cut, a 25% pay cut. Like that is, that would make sense if I had, I don't know, broken everything that I had touched. Like, but I, but I was in here doing pretty, I thought pretty good work. You know, I mean, I was learning. I was definitely rough around the edges. I was 26 probably at that time. Yeah. But you know it just at that point i was like no no i'm not gonna stay for that yeah like because at that point you know it's that thing where i mean that's not even giving somebody an inch yeah. like that's giving somebody a mile and them taking 10 miles like there's there's no you can't come back from that it doesn't give you the right um message either but like no. When you were first offered the job, it was a huge opportunity for you. And oh, yeah. you made the most of it. As you alluded to, you made some great stuff. Oh, I love that job. Um, talk about, you know, how you were able to just kind of create content on your own. As you talked about mm-hmm. when we first started talking, when we first started this interview about you'd make content, yeah. you'd make little, you know, pieces, promo yeah. pieces or rally pieces and then play them and you get instant mm-hmm feedback from the fans. that was like, the best part of my job for yeah, sure so talk about that process um and, and well the, the way that i got in yeah. at the a's um and the thing that i that i would definitely say is a, a strong tool for any freelancer um was persistence like i applied for the internship and i think i called the office seven or eight times like between the time i applied and when they closed the applications I just kept, I, I let, uh, the guy in charge at the time was Jeff Goss, uh, was the guy who was hiring interns. And I called Jeff's voicemail, his work voicemail, probably eight times. I just kept leaving voice, voice messages. And, uh, and I never heard back. I mean, I, I, I think I finally reached him one time and was like, Hey, I'm, I would love to know when these decisions are getting made. And he goes, I think we're making them tomorrow. I said, cool, man. Great. Thanks. And then I did hear from them tomorrow that I was in. And I do think that it had a lot to do with that. I was persistent. Jeff told me once that there was a person that they had like wanted or had been interested in who had then dropped out. And I think I got that last spot. And I think it had to do with the fact that I just made it known that I was really interested. Um, And I showed up and I tried to learn everything, which it was interesting trying to learn everything at the A's at that time was tricky because so much of what they used was not was so far behind the industry standard at that time yeah but if you learned how to be good at that stuff at the a's it wasn't transferable it wasn't like you could get jobs doing it because nobody else was using those big old quarter inch tape machines and and that kind of stuff four by three yeah yeah it was all in four by three and it was all just like we were like building packages on a tape machine not a, a, a electronic replay machine but like essentially two giant vcrs that you're recording from one and playing out of the other yeah and you're using the, are you using the yeah you're like timing them up and it's a whole i mean i loved learning how to do that it was really i felt like a fucking cool tv guy like i used to see in movies like network <laughs> i felt like i was in network but in the year 2008 
but like it was so i mean it was cool like i got to learn stuff i felt like i love the vibe there i mean this was at a time when roy Steele was still the announcer chet farrow was still there um and alive and like I, and i was just like there it was so much fun i was like i loved everything about it
Thank you so much for listening. This is Sam Jack, your host. Make sure to subscribe to us. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, or wherever you get your podcast. Just search the Sam Jack Podcast. Thank you so much. You can find us on YouTube. Our channel is Viral Media Network 415. The playlist is the Sam Jack Podcast. I'm not a professional, but wait, I am. Check out all the other great playlists on our YouTube channel. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share. Thank you so much. Let's get back to the interview. But I would be but I, Yeah, I love those community um, things. If we, if we were to talk about your time in the A's without what I would say, your, your coup de trois, your... Yeah, your let's talk about it. In, it was also my swan song at the A's. Yes, which you didn't know when you made it, but... Uh, no, but, I mean, as swan songs go. And we're going to be playing one. it as we talk about it, but... Okay. Um, I would say it's even worth stopping to play because I really like it. Yeah. So I'll, I will preface it and then we'll play it in full and then we'll come Here it back. Is. But uh, I will say that to <laughs> preface it, the time that you were hired as the assistant producer was a time when the team was getting really good. Yes. And so Coincided had, directly, actually. We, <laughs> yeah. And so we had made the playoffs that year. Yeah. 2012 and 2013. This was in 2013. It was our second straight division title and ALDS appearance. Right. So this is the this is a hype video that you were yes. you sort of came up to make. Yeah. Um, I'll explain a little more about it and I'll like throw to it. Okay. So the idea good. was we wanted to make a video that would have a really big reaction that would time up so that that reaction would happen right as we went live on on I think it was TBS was who was right. broadcasting it. So it was synced up that we were going to play this video in the stadium right before the game so that as soon as it ended that the fans would like explode that was the idea and then right after that it was like we're live in oakland for game one of the alds exactly yep that was the hope (laughs) okay and We'll see. You'll tell us what kind of reaction the crowd gave mm-hmm. you after you watched. After we sure will. <laughs> and here it is. And what 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 would you call this? This video is titled "This Is Oakland" featuring Roy Steele. Roy Steele. Oakland, the Coliseum. It isn't pretty or fancy. There are no brick facades, no scenic vistas, an unassuming building from a bygone era. But to a city, to a team, it's not a building, it's home, our home. It's not shiny, but it's ours. Since 1968, the Coliseum has been the home of the athletics. Twelve Hall of Famers donned Kelly Green, Fort Knox Gold, and wedding gown white inside these walls. It's seen 16 division championships and six World Series. Not all of us. It's more than a stadium. It's where we spent our youth. As we've grown up, the Coliseum has aged, but despite the warts, the fading paint, this Coliseum and this team are ours. We bring our children and our children's children, because this place, this team, represent the best in all of us. Oakland and the athletics, tough, 
gritty and hardworking. This team, this city, have come together working for one common goal, the ultimate prize. So Oakland, the time has come once again to put the real polish on this place and show the nation, the world, why we are the best home field advantage in baseball. So get up, stay loud, and remember, this is our time. Hey, there it was. And <laughs> wow, that was, uh, that was, I mean, it gives me chills. Um, you know, there's a lot of stuff in there that's that's really powerful and yeah, um, mix of older archival footage. Some of the I still love it. That you logged. Mm-hmm. Um, you got some of that was obviously just like footage from that season a lot right. of it of course was footage from the history of the a's in oakland but also showing some of the grittier sides of oakland and, and yeah. also some of the beautiful side beautiful mm-hmm. parts of the city um, yeah so a few know, of those were things some... we shot some of them were just b-roll we found yeah. and cleaned up ourselves because <laughs> now you know oakland they're 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 rooted in oakland right that but at the time they didn't have that catchphrase right so this was kind of a newer approach to you know celebrating the a's right sure yeah at the time you know well so the year before when we had our little oh what's gonna hype the the fans up video it was just a countdown we just counted down from 20 and we played music and got everybody excited and everybody knew when we were going live servers going nuts with their rally towels and everything and we knew that we had that but what we wanted and really felt would be appropriate because the year before you know 2012 was a magical run for the a's they they won the division on the last game of the season and which was i mean a thrilling ending for for the a's they like charged into the playoffs from really looking like it they were going to be on the outside looking in and what was cool about that was obviously like all the momentum and you just got to roll with it and have fun. But the flip side was that we were not prepared. Like we didn't have any, we didn't have like a ton of stuff ready. Obviously we got to be ready if the A's make the playoffs, we'll have a bunch of stuff. The next year we knew well in advance. The A's had a strong lead in the division the whole month of September. So we felt really confident that it was time to prepare to do some stuff for the playoffs. So the biggest thing that we wanted to do was to center all of our creative around the city. We made new custom headshots. This was a project that I did. This is still in my reel. We made these templates of headshots that instead of just being like, oh, a generic background or a picture of the Coliseum, it was like different spots around Oakland, the Fox oh Theater, the Grand Lake Theater sign, the you Tribune know building. Lake Merritt, the Tribune building, the cranes, just the welcome to Oakland sign, the Oakland Zoo, all different locations around the city that were iconic. Yeah. And then to just kind of it would every headshot would oh Bart was one. So it would like it would the shot would like fly to the the thing, the landmark, and then the player would like pop up and their name would show up and it was like part of it it was part of the branding to associate everything with oakland and then that was all capped off with this intro video it was a new we we made actually two different new intro videos one we used the music from x-men first class (laughs) and we like made a whole open that was just really exciting and it was like the building was coming on
So the Oakland A's are Rachel, and that's right. The o- Oakland that's right. is Rachel. Yeah, we're Ross. Ross is the Oakland A's. <laughs> we're Ross. That's right. right. That's right. That's we're on a break. That sounds right. Uh, well, that would make sense because Ross was married three times, right? So Philly, Kansas City, and Oakland. <laughs> See what we just did there? We did it. The A's are Ross. Brutal. That is a, that is the worst thing I've ever said about the Oakland A's. And that's our show. <laughs> Thank you, Sam. This was fun, man. I, I really like, I love being a freelancer. I love feeling like a little bit of a TV pirate um and this is such a fun i love this venue um yeah. for people who want to come do film sprint stuff probably by the time this airs our most recent round will have started or concluded but you can always find out about new events at filmsprint.com we have new events kicking off all the time there's always something you can either sign up for or watch uh that's pretty much our commitment to you the viewer <laughs> Yeah, thanks, Jeremy. I mean, I was kind of just joking, but I mean, we're, we might as well wrap it up. We might as well. I mean, I, I love that as an out point. <laughs> We've been going for a while. Joe Rogan length here. Oh, yeah, we're going full rogues. Yeah. yeah, I'm about to talk, start talking about ivermectin if you keep me here any longer. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, film sprint is great having been a participant. Um, yeah. you, you basically do one pretty much more or less every month or every other month. So. Just about, yeah. I'm trying Definitely to get back to monthly. Back. And I think we learned you, you had a lot of great insight is to your journey and a lot of good uh, takeaways for other people that are um, interested in, mm-hmm. you know, being more creative, creating their own, being an entrepreneur um, and just little tips and tricks about maintaining in the freelance broadcast world. Or you could probably apply it to other production freelance stuff or, or you know, other sure. freelance type oh. things. So I'll give one more one more piece of wisdom. This is wisdom from my do. grandmother. Okay. So this relates to things we've talked about before, but it's like, it's two parts. The first part is you can only control your own actions, right? So however hard you want to work, that's how hard you can, you know, that's, that's the level that you can expect to see things come back for you. And the other part of it is that you can't let other people dictate how you feel about yourself. Yeah whatever somebody else might say about you, whatever somebody else might think about you or tell you that they think about you, you get to decide how you feel about yourself and then you get to act accordingly. So pursue things that have worth to you and follow the voice in your head that says like, do this, not that that's your conscience. That's your little buddy. It's going to steer you right more often than not. Um, And don't be afraid to walk away from things that don't work for you. That's the other thing. There are worse things in the world than walking away but as they do say if you walk away from your fashion money in search of mo money you end up with no money so do watch out for that (laughs) that's a good tagline to end it on i love that well jeremy wessler thank you so much uh for coming on the show check it out filmsprint.com i'm sam jack from the sam jack podcast thank you so much for joining us we'll see you next time Jeremy, thanks again. Thank you, Sam. Have a good night, y'all. Bye.